we're going to do this right. All right, welcome to the Uncomfortable Conversations podcast, <laughs> the untold stories of the 3HO Kundalini Yoga community. I'm your host, Guru Nishan. And uh, before I introduce our guest for today, I'd like to share with you the intentions that I've uh, created for this podcast. <clears throat> they are organic, and so they can change along the way. Number one, to break the veil of silence that is long permeated and continues to strangle the 3HO Kundalini Yoga community in the name of neutrality. Number two, to validate and help clarify the, the complex feelings of those who have joined the, this lifestyle, were born and raised into it, and or have practiced or taught Kundalini Yoga. Number three, to encourage active listening to uncomfortable conversations from our community as a revolutionary act of self and collective healing. Number four, to let survivors know that we see them, we believe them, we love them, and we will fight for their truth to be addressed. Number five, to let teachers who are denying, gaslighting, or spiritually bypassing know that what they are doing is willfully ignorant and re-traumatizing victims. Number six, to illuminate the inherent racism, homophobia, cultural misappropriation, and exploitation that perpetuates the teachings, 3HO lifestyle, and overall community ethos. Number seven, to stop the perpetuation of gaslighting and victim shaming by naming it for what it is. Number eight, to dismantle internalized shame guilt, toxic positivity, and light-washing mentality. Number nine, to honor all of the parts of ourselves that have been forgotten or silenced. Number 10, to honor every body that has come through our community, both named and unnamed. Number 11, to encourage people to do their own research process their own emotions, get somatic therapy and other support as needed, draw your own conclusions, and be critical thinkers rather than just blindly follow anyone. Your story matters. Please share it when you're ready. We're here to listen and support you. So I want to welcome our guest for today. Um, his name is Mark Putmans. And Interestingly enough, Mark was um, initiated into an oral tradition of Kundalini about mm -hmm. 30 years ago in India. No, um, in Canada. You got initiated in Canada. Yes. Um, but Kundalini is from India. Absolutely. Okay. Got it. Okay. So 30 years ago, you were initiated into yep. an oral tradition of Kundalini from India. Mm -hmm. And you had a teacher that um, you learned this from in Canada. Correct. And um, the way that you and I met was um, through the private Facebook group, The Birdcage, and I noticed you were commenting, having commentary on Kundalini and Kundalini energy and um, bringing a, a lens that I found very fascinating because having been born and raised in 3HO, <clears throat> And learning Kundalini Yoga is taught by Yogi Bhajan, of course. Mm -hmm. My parents were students of Yogi Bhajan. And then I was raised in this culture. And I grew up with a lot of ideas around Kundalini Yoga and kind of the secrecy behind it. And how mm -hmm. Yogi Bhajan was kind of like breaking this tradition of teaching it publicly. And there's a whole myst mystical tales and narratives that academics... Um, like, you know, Philip DeSlippe and, and other scholars have shown that the historical stories that Yogi Bhajan brought forth and told of his own story and how he brought forth Kundalini Yoga, that we have this concept within our community that's one thing. And we've never really, A, been open to or researched or heard that there's other lineages of kundalini and 
and understanding it for what it actually is versus just the small little way that we got spoon fed a story or a myth or a tale. So my intention for having you on today, first of all, is that you offer a different lens outside of our community. So while you're not a part of the 3HO community, you are a long history of Kundalini energy Mm -hmm. and have a perspective actually, interestingly enough, with your teacher that knew Harbhajan Singh Puri before he became Yogi Bhajan, before he spun the tale that we now know as 3HO Kundalini Yoga. Um, So thank you. I'm excited to have this conversation today. Well, thank you for having me. My my teacher uh, last saw Yogi Bhajan in Toronto in 1968 when, and I don't know if if, uh, Harbhajan Singh Puri came to Toronto because of Dennis, because that's where Dennis Wilson lived at the time. And Dennis had been at the Kundalini Oral Tradition School. It was a little school that was very secretive, very private. The ashram across the street did not know that Kundalini Oral Tradition was being taught there. That's how secretive it was. And it was secret because A, it wasn't for everybody. B, um, people get superstitious or get told tales about other religions that are inaccurate and they believe them. And then if something arises, um, they get very aggressive and they can get, you know, violent or dangerous. So different cultures in India uh, stay fairly quiet. The, the sexual tantric tradition in India is fairly quiet because they're disrespected by most of the other religious forms, even though it's another valid way of exploring spirituality. Yeah. So... Uh, Bajan came to Toronto and met up with Dennis at the time. He met up with other people as well. And Dennis tried to dissuade him from his plans. And his plans was to start something new and to teach this stuff. And Dennis had witnessed him being kicked out of the oral tradition school in India that taught Kundalini, that taught Kundalini energy not Kundalini yoga. They taught Kundalini energy as an energy practice. If you want to supplement that with meditation, go right ahead. If you want to add yoga into it as a way of helping your body release tensions, absolutely fine. Go pick one. But it was only about the core energy tradition. And it's believed that it was the original core energy tradition that goes back many thousands of years. So the Ayurvedics borrowed from it, the, the Hindus borrowed from it, and there's many, many ways of looking at, at, at Kundalini energy. But this is a very, very simple, very direct, very powerful way. And because it's powerful, it's not for everybody. You don't want to put power in the hands of somebody who's going to use it irresponsibly. Now, so I asked my teacher, I asked, well, why did you get kicked out? You got kicked out for spiritual incorrectness. What does that mean? It's the worst possible thing he could be accused of. He's disrespected the, the, the school, the teachers, the teachings, all of the lessons that have been learned over the hundreds and thousands of years that have been passed on. He's disrespecting those and he's respecting the energy itself. Now, I've drawn a further conclusion. It's considering his behavior after that, it's very likely that he disrespected his fellow students as well. Knowing but, what we know now. you Knowing what we know, yes. But, but my teacher didn't say that, it that way. Right. When your teacher told you this, when Correct. was this? Yeah. Oh, I was, uh, I studied with Dennis in the West Coast of Canada. So in, in Victoria and Vancouver, BC. And how long ago? Oh, about 30 years ago. So around 30 years ago, like when he well, told I didn't, you- No, I didn't find out about these things until just a few years ago. Oh. Now, whenever Kundalini Yoga came up, his, and it, it, took, it took me forever, he would just cringe. He would just tighten up into a ball and his aura would shrink up into himself. And it was like, it was like he was trying to contain some anger or something. He tried to dissuade Yogi Bhajan before he was Yogi Bhajan from starting his little plan to prey on people. Hmm. And he failed, he did not succeed. What he did do is he told them, well, you can't really do it in Canada because Canada has all kinds of laws and it.
for then you don't get any tax breaks or anything like that. Oh, our internet. Um, yeah, you froze for a second. You said um, Canada has laws of, that make um, make religious corporations or what? no uh, against it makes it harder to start a new religious form. So you you can't do it until you have five or 20,000 followers. And until you do that, you don't have any tax benefits or any you can't be a nonprofit or any of that nature. So Harbhajan Singh basically figured, oh, that's OK, I'll go to America, which is what he did. Sorry. Interesting. <laughs> you know, and um, you're saying the laws, the laws for him to be able to start a religious, like a new religious entity, so to speak, were a lot well, more lenient for him to kind of like, yeah, um, weave we have his tail in the West. We have a concept of religious freedom. It comes with some positives. It also comes with some negatives. Right. And I've thought about how you might go about, you know, changing the nature of those freedoms. And it's really hard. As soon as you start getting into that, you start, you know, limiting freedoms. And then, boy, you can draw some really nasty lines. So having religious freedom is a good thing. Unfortunately, sometimes um, us naive humans, because we can be naive, and I put myself in that same boat because I've had naiveness whipped out of me mostly, you know, not completely. Uh, you know, we have the freedom to go exploring how we wish and to learn the lessons that each kind of spiritual form has to offer. And sometimes we learn through really nasty experiences, right? So you're, you're basically saying that when Dennis was at the school learning Kundalini, correct. Um, that Harbhajan Singh Puri was there too and got kicked out at that kicked time. Out. Yeah. So he did, he did not learn. Yeah. So he, he did not learn. learn. Did not he learn that whatever system. he wanted from it, and then he, he probably got on. he probably got kicked out. <clears throat> I'll show them, and know what he did. Uh, he you sure know, did. yeah, and you know, Kundalini is. If you do a search on the word Kundalini, you're gonna ninety nine hits out of a hundred are gonna be related to Kundalini Yoga, as taught by Yogi Bhajan. The problem is, is there's very little Kundalini in the Kundalini Yoga. It's like, it's an invalid name, in my opinion. Mm. Uh, he wasn't qualified to teach Kundalini. Morally, spiritually, as a, as a human, he was not qualified to teach it. He did not have the moral standing. He did not have the knowledge. He, he, he was not initiated he was not authorized to teach what he claimed to be qualified to teach so when i read philip de slip's writings i was just in awe that philip had come up with all of these new discoveries about the fallacies of what bajan had claimed and yet was also able to tie some of the practices that bajan was claiming as his own as having some foundation in the past which okay makes sense and then I scratch my head and go, okay, so it's called Kundalini Yoga is taught by Yogi Bhajan. It's a corporate name. It's a trademark name. That's fine. They, they, if they want to keep it, that's their decision. But, you know, the longer they do that, the more they make themselves look bad in light of the truths that are being revealed through the different, you know, the different groups. Uh -huh. And, you know, so there's, there's not much Kundalini. And, but there are some people that are awakening into Kundalini and they have a terrible time. Why? Because they haven't gotten the right foundations. Mm. They haven't been taught the basic essentials that have to go with the energy. And if you don't have those essentials, you're naturally going to get into those troubles. Well, guess who's been volunteering to help those people out that come to our subreddit for the last seven years? So this is where you volunteer on subreddit to like when people are coming, like having these Kundalini awakenings and they don't know what to do with the energy that's surging through their body. Like you and, help, and, to, and they help have, them, you know, what I help, happening. I help them find their, their balance. And the more I do, the less they learn. So I try to get them, I try to inspire them to recognize that they can help themselves. They can get themselves so out of balance that it's hard for them to read a whole paragraph. So at that so, point, it's hard for them to help themselves. So I reach out and help out energetically where I can, you know. So give us point. a, um, can you, you know, I know that obviously what you're saying is that there's initiation process. And one of the things that we really got indoctrinated within us as Kudalini teachers, as well as those of us, you know, born and raised into it, but even just within the teacher training circuit, yeah, you know, this whole thing, you know, that, um, 
you know, this is a self-initiated practice. And, you know, it's kind of one of the things that, you know, was kind of like, was so awesome. It's like, wow, we can do this on our own and all this. And what you're saying is that even though the Kudalini Yoga as the initials of YB are all in there, there's very little actual Kudalini energy foundation and science that of, of real tradition in there. He just kind of pulled all these different things and people can look at Philip DeSlip's um, research because he not only tracks that the stories that YB mm-hmm. delivered don't add up in his own lineage. Of right. Age, yes. But yes. also that that the things he did draw on were kind of like a little bit from this teacher, a little bit from this, a little bit from this. And he amalgamated his own kind of version and then called it something. And now that's why there's trademarks of you yeah. couldn't just do Kundalini yoga because that's an energy system, right? They can't just trademark well, that. The tradition that I was initiated into doesn't consider itself a yoga. But I'm just saying, even say on the trademark language of that yes, world, yes, they yeah. couldn't do Kundalini yoga. They had to do Kundalini yoga as taught by because he's amalgamating yes. all these things and they want to be able to have a copyright on the things they're putting together. Right. There are other forms of Kundalini yoga in various traditions and various schools that are in India, that are in America, that are in, in the islands, in Europe, they're much smaller. And you almost have to go into Google's advanced search and re- say you're looking for Kundalini Yoga, but you're absolutely not looking for as taught by Yogi Bhajan. And <laughs> then you might go through t- 10 or 15 pages of stuff that just doesn't mention Yogi Bhajan, but they're still related to, you know, the, the California group or, or their related groups, but it's, it's really hard to find them. It's really hard to find them. And so, you know, people say, well, okay, well, how do we find teachers? Teachers, finding a teacher is a great idea. How do you find actual legitimate teachers? Well, that's a, that's that's a bit of a mystery, right? So yeah, before we go that direction, I want to go back to what you were saying. When yes, people have. You said at some people have had some awakenings even within this. Community, oh, absolutely. Right? So then, Let's, what is a symptom of 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 their systems not being ready, and how do you help support people to support themselves to be ready for that energy to be flowing through their body? Okay, to be ready for Kundalini, one has to have a sound mind, a reasonably sound mind. You don't have to be perfect. You have to have a reasonable sound mind. Uh, you have to have a sense of the practical. Can you hit a ha- can you use a hammer to hit a nail? Can can you get in a car and drive it somewhere and get back safely? You know, there's a bit of a sense of the practical and down to earth. If you're all in the clouds and your feet are no longer on the ground, you're not going to deal with Kundalini very well because you're going to have trouble with basics like grounding. I'm going to say grounding, being in the body. Being in the body, being in the moment, being in the present, being centered and, and sort of connected with the present moment rather than being in ideas that now are all tumbling. What Kundalini will do, it will do a number of things when Kundalini rises. It will bring up every single emotional experience you've ever had, not in one second or two seconds, but over a period of time to be relived and to be re-examined and to be relearned from, from a new perspective. So now you're, I was about, about 30 years old when I did the, the, the training, just a little bit before my, my th- I turned 30. And so here I am, I'm experiencing all of the things that I experienced since I was a baby. And every negative and positive experience and learning again from those experiences, what wisdom was there with my 28-year-old mind. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right? Now, beliefs that get in the way are going to be shed and pushed aside. Now, if you have foundation ideas upon which you've built other things that you believe in, and you tear away at the bottom and take everything out, what happens to all these other ideas? People end up in psychosis because their minds dissolving. There's too much dissolving, too much much changing. Integrating the energetic system is dissolving and their structure can't actually. Correct. No foundation. If somebody is grounded, they can manage to do that. If somebody's living in their ideas and they're all in the mind and they're all exploring and, and they're not grounded, then their mind is all 
crumbling around them and they think they're losing their mind. And in a sense, they are losing their mind of yesterday to gain a new mind of tomorrow. But while they're going through it, it's hell. And so that's when they come and see us sometimes. Mm. <laughs> they're going through hell. I now, think I want, yeah, go yeah, ahead. I want to acknowledge that, you know, the different yogas and the different movements have helped some people. You know, there's no doubt of that. It's also harmed some people physically because the repetitive motions were too much for some people. And, you know, once in a while I mentioned uh, about Yogi Bhajan and Dennis would turn around and say, oh, that control freak. And then I understood why things are for 11 or 61 or 121 minutes. It's because he was a control freak. If you do something for 12 and a half minutes, you know what? It just doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> I was going to say, does that even make a difference? No. <laughs> something that happens at 11 minutes. Oh, and you know, it would be a lot smarter to do 11 minutes and then maybe 15 minutes and then maybe 18 minutes. And if you still don't hurt at 18 minutes, maybe the next time you go to 24 and not jump from 11 minutes to 31 to 71 or 131, where you extend a bit too much strain into your body. So for me, looking from the outside at the yoga culture that's part of the, the Yogi Bhajan organizations, there's a reevaluation to be done and some intellectual common sense thinking to figure out, okay, what worked? What doesn't work? What's hurting people? Why? Uh, okay, we got some people actually having Kundalini awakenings. Well, we don't know much about that because Yogi Bhajan didn't teach us much about it. At least I don't think he did. And didn't support anything around having an actual foundation in our body or even understanding like the lower half, the sexual yeah. energy, how to, how to really ground Absolutely. That and and guess, guess where Yogi Bhajan got stuck? At the second chakra. Sex, right. Right? So here he is. He's doing, and I'm reading from the outside. I never participated but I've done Tantra and it's powerful. It can be powerful. It can be very healing and you can fall in love. And then, you know, the weekend's over and uh, you're out of love. You've got to let go. You've got to open your arms and just let go. Right. And you know, you, you hear that a lot nowadays, let go, let go, let go, because you've got to let things flow that hurt you and let them flow through you and, you know, and not like cling to them. Like exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So here's Yogi Bhajan, and the, the stories are from the, the, the KRI or the, the, the 3HO websites, and I'm reading about White Tantra, and it claims that Yogi Bhajan would interfere with the energy of the people, 100, 200, 300 people, couples facing each other, looking into each other's eyes, to prevent them from falling in love with each other, manipulating their sexual and their love energies. Yeah. And imagine what the consequences for doing that might be. Maybe you turn into a rapist or a sex abuser, just exactly like he became because he was doing things that were not correct. Spiritual incorrectness. Spiritual. And so I want to, I want to speak to what you're saying is like on an energetic level, when you're manipulating this forces of energy of say love and sex and on another energetic level, he can actually energetically become more and more twisted because he's twisting energy. Yeah. If, if you compare it to the Jedi, he was acting like a Sith. Mm. And if you read the books about the Sith rather than just the movies, because the movies paint the Sith as only negative and nothing to learn. They're just destructive. If you read the books about the Sith, you understand that the Sith can be very cunning and calculated and and they they strive to learn and 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 do things in a constructive way, but not a compassionate way, <laughs> right? A mentally calculating way, shall we say? So, yeah. all male energy, in a sense, right? Uh, the whole field of Kundalini is almost exclusively talking about the sacred feminine. You know, Kundalini Shakti. Okay, Kundalini Shakti. That's not what Kundalini is supposed to be. Kundalini is the male and the female together with the neutral Kundalini energy up the up Sushumna, up the core. Up the central spine. And the balance that comes and the wisdom that comes from blending the male and the female energies. In other words, the male calculating, thinking, reasoning with the female compassion, feeling, empathy. So you don't go around being a heartless bastard. Right. right. But you're not a helpless, 
emotional trying to rescue everybody from themselves when they've gotten themselves into situations through their own stupidity. You know, you've got to try to teach them to not be so naive and not get themselves into those situations, but you can't rescue people from their emotionally troubling situations that they get themselves into. You have to let them fall so that they can learn from their falling. Uh So Kundalini is very powerful, very powerful. I'm not going to go into details, but let's say inviting nice weather for a certain person's wedding is very able. Mother nature might say yes, and mother nature might say no, but you can invite it. And having access to that kind of energy means there has to be some rules that create a structure that's easy to get right and hard to get wrong. He didn't teach that. So here we have hundreds or thousands of people who have been doing Kundalini yoga, which will eventually, and some people bring about a Kundalini awakening, not everybody. And some of the people who haven't had any of that energetic stuff are going like, what the heck are you talking about? You're, you're, you're speaking bullshit or it's, it's like, and, and that's okay. That's their perspective. They haven't experienced it. Yeah. I had a buddy of mine who said he never dreams. Okay. You never dreamed. And then later I found out, okay, now I'm dreaming, but I've never dreamt in color. It was like, I don't remember ever dreaming in black and white. I mean, good God, what would be the point? Sounds boring. It sounds like a 1920s movie, right? <laughs> so if they haven't had the experience for themselves, you can't hold that against no. them. No, you know, you have to respect that. But that makes them unqualified to speak about the hazards and the dangers of the misuse of Kundalini, which is something that Yogi Bhajan failed completely to do. So he's the one single human who has pushed the word and the idea of Kundalini into the main, almost into the mainstream media. You know, it's like uh, Hollywood people are talking about it. Uh, mm-hmm. Stars and singers and, and movie stars are talking about it. Joe Rogan had people talking about it. And the people that are talking with Joe Rogan aren't that qualified. <laughs> they haven't, you know, on a scale of one to 10, because they've emerged out of the Kundalini Yoga as by Yogi Bhajan group, they, they don't actually have a good sense of what the energy is. They might be using it in a small way and mostly staying out of trouble because of their good nature. But not, of all, not all of us are good nature. And when a sociopath or psychopath gets hold of Kundalini, they're going to hurt people and they're going to self-destroy themselves very quickly by harming other people because everything you give out, you get back. This little funny fellow that walked on the water 2,000 years ago or, or is claimed to have walked on the water 2,000 years ago said, you reap what you sow. He was just basically passing on these simple ideas. Give out love, you'll get love back. Give out anger or violence, guess what the world is going to give you back? Ugliness and violence, you know? Yeah, I, I just think that the lens you're offering here for us to, to, to take in and for listeners to really um, absorb, I think is a really important one because um, we're given a narrative. And if, and if we aren't critical thinkers, we don't question the narrative. We just take the narrative. And if it touches parts of our own soul, our own spirit, our own ener- energetic that says, oh, I'm inspired to be a part of that mission. And wow, I'm, I'm inspired to help people. Wow. This is such a compassionate group or whatever, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's using, it's a, it's a masterful manipulation of extraordinarily like it. it, Yeah. It was, it was brilliantly done. And, and ultimately it was a negative force. There's balance. There's some positive in it. Some people and found I healing. I completely agree. I mean, there's so much I can draw from my growing up years that I'm so grateful for, for not having grown up, say, in mainstream middle America. Yeah. That I have a lens on things, even as simple as I have a human nervous system. I know what Kundalini energy is. Mm-hmm. It sits at the base of my spine. I know the channel of my spine. 
But but eventually it doesn't stay at the base of your spine. Eventually, if I awaken it, it's flowing through my system. Uh, in in my system, it's always present. So every mm-hmm. thought that I have, every action or gesture, every voice that I speak, every word that I utter, I have to do it in consequence of the two laws and make sure that I'm not harming people with my thoughts because that's where it goes. When you get, when you get competent and you get well-evolved or well-matured in the system, that's where it can go. Now, if somebody is mischievous or nasty or has a persnickety attitude or has a few things from their past that, isn't, that aren't healed yet, emotional burdens, and, they're, and they're, they're nasty in the wrong ways. There's good, there's good times to be nasty. <laughs> Right, there's very appropriate times. And, and there's yeah. good times, There's and most times you can be honest. Sometimes, you know, it's saying, no, officer, I'm not the one going 90. I just passed that slow sucker back there. He turned off. You know, it's like there's times to be honest and there's times not to be. But when it comes to working with the energy, you've got to know what you're dealing with. And most of the community that you're that you were raised in hasn't been taught to respect the energy because – uh, Harbajan did not respect the energy. And also, also, we also haven't, as much as we've been learned a lot, we haven't been taught to actually be in our body and present with that energy. So we, he didn't, he, I, he, because he didn't teach us that either. No, but some of the yogas that you were taught do bring you into your body. So there's, I would say, yes, you're partly right there, but there's, there's certainly some of the practices that you have, done that are grounding some of the practices i agree i some of the practice some of the practices are very energetic we had somebody the other day in the subreddit you know saying well they did this 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 and they finished with breath of fire and i'm thinking oh you know they finished with yeah. breath of fire you don't finish with breath no, of fire and, and, unless you're unless you're supported in a community and you're trying to raise energy up and, and and bring the energy up in a supportive, protected environment. It, it, they were completely imbalanced from that. You know, you get back grounded afterwards. Otherwise, you know, you're not going to be walking on on your feet too well. And if you get in a car, you're not going to be a safe driver. Well, I think you're bringing up a really good point in the sense that, um, like, one of the we learned a lot of things that we kind of have taken, and I say we as a collective of our community, but yeah. But really, I want to point out that a lot of things that we think might be fact are not, and they are actually just fragments or slices of truth from actually a much larger source of truth that's housed somewhere else. Yeah. And I feel like um, once this whole thing started breaking up in our community, when I read um, like about a high demand group and I was, you know, reading the different scholarly things on cults that really helped to hear that, like, wow, what makes a really excellent leader is to take really good sources of truth, which, you know, t- to make our community, he took a little bit of, of yeah. the Sikh religion, a little bit of Kundalini tradition, a little yeah. bit of numerology, a little bit of Ayurveda, a little bit of this type of yoga, that type of yoga. So it exactly. is housed in some foundational truths, but the mythological tale that was spun that our identities were formed or birthed out of is also so fragmented. Yeah. And it's challenging on the Kundalini yoga side. And the reason I'm bringing this up specifically yeah. is yeah. you're bringing a lens that can support listeners to say, hey, there are some really potent aspects to this amalgamation that you got. Yes. It's really important that you do a new level of discernment, questioning and research that, yeah. that grounds us and makes it real for us as opposed to escaping out of ourselves. Yeah. Let me give you an example of something that is lacking in the community. So when I started participating and sharing ideas in the birdcage group on Facebook, 
Well, let me just pause and say that the Birchcade group is not representative of the 3HO community. Oh, I know that. I, oh, okay. I know that. So I was just double checking. Okay, Absolutely. I, I fully understand that. And, and I wish it was more, it was, you know, it was a bigger group. So I'm starting to share things that are, you know, different truths, different perspectives, different ideas. And all of a sudden during my day, I'm being attacked energetically over and over and over and over again. Now, I'm very qualified to defend myself, and I can defend myself in many ways, and I can extend my defense as I see fit when people are attacking me energetically. But to be attacked by two or three or five dozen people is a bit less fun. It's still not a big problem, but this is, this is the first law. Don't mess with others' minds. When you're attacking with energy, that's the second law. Kundalini is for knowledge and defense and maybe evolution. That's the way it presents in our human, in our human existence. That's the dominant way it presents as, as an evolutionary force. But Kundalini is the same force that our creator used to create the universes. We have just an infinitesimal access to it. Mm. Right? So when, when I speak my truth, I'm attacked for it. And I was willing to do that and willing to deal with the energy and go, okay, uh, <laughs> we'll just bounce this energy off this way, bounce this energy. Oh, and I'm tired of this. I'm going to bounce it right back to you. Right. And that's something that's my privilege is with my training, which is not an attack. It's a defense. Interestingly, in our culture, the two laws that went with Kundalini, and there's three guidelines that sort of almost be three laws and two guidelines, but one of them was be sober. That's a guideline. One of them is be in balance and do everything that you do with love, right? And do everything so that no matter what it is, it doesn't involve karma coming back to you. In other words, if I'm gonna do something and I haven't thought it through perfectly, no matter what happens, let it only happen if there's no karma back to me. And then the two laws are energy, Kundalini energy is for uh, evolution, knowledge, and defense. Never attack. And don't mess with others' minds. That's the first law. If you respect those ideas, you will do Kundalini reasonably well, no matter what happens. But here in the Yogi Bhajan group, when I speak a few truths, I get attacked. So some people have not been trained with, it's obvious to me that these people were not trained with the two laws that were supposed to go with Kundalini. So I have my experiential proof that, you know, in some of the core groups where Kundalini is starting to be present in a small amount, if it was somebody with a lot of Kundalini and they were attacking, they would just do themselves far more harm by attacking, right? Mm -hmm. So there's some lacks there that, you know, and you know what's the funny thing? Star Trek deals with non-interference, the prime directive. It teaches about not messing with others' minds. And Star Wars deals with well, the second law. So what we now know of Harbhajan Singh Puri and the, um, the amount of manipulation mm. and abuse on a spiritual as well as financial and sexual and, and, and just so many different ways that he acted as a predator the the body of work that he's called his work um so you're saying basically you're you're you can tell that people haven't learned some foundational things when it comes to understanding kundalini yeah um and what else meaning there is there's foundational, it's, like, if he did that, then of course, it's passed through the oral tradition that he carried on within our, because our community also started as an oral tradition before it started getting written. And right. it's part of kind of how the stories, quote, have changed over the years, you know, it was an yeah. oral tradition. And, and so watching it get documented, you start to realize, wow, there are a lot of holes in this mythological tale yeah we all have to then take a new level of responsibility to say what have i learned and how much of it is actually correct if i know that harbhajan singh puri 
actually was kicked out of the school for spiritual incorrectness. Mm -hmm. I want to keep carrying on an unconscious perpetuation of spiritual incorrectness. Right. Years ago, before I met with my teacher, I went to Kripalu a couple times. And I went to a couple of their gatherings in Canada. And Kripalu was led by a fellow named Yogi Amrit Desai, who I, I was pretty cool. I didn't think he was perfect. I didn't put him on a pedestal. When I went to the ashram, do you remember when we were kids and you'd go into a bar and, and you'd walk in and there was so much smoke, you felt like you could cut it with a knife, like a bread knife. There was just so much smoke. The sexual tension in that ashram was on that level. Here we have these beautiful humans, male and female, who are going through their evolution and growing, kept apart. You know, there was a, there was a section for the, the couples. There was a section for the men. There was a section for the women. And, of course, there was more women than men, generally, in, in any of these spiritual pursuits. And, uh, and I was just amazed by the energy. I was affected by it, of course. I, I was very attuned at the time. I, didn't, I hadn't yet learned to isolate myself from my environment. I was very, very empathic to the, and psychic to the world around me. News came out a number of years after I left, or after the last time I visited, that uh, their yogi had been kicked out. He'd been caught. Uh, there was a woman who was pregnant. There was another woman who had been involved, and he was married with kids. Yeah, he was a sexual predator. They threw everything out. All of his books went in the garbage. All of his tapes and his recordings and everything went in the garbage, and they rebuilt themselves as a spiritual center. And they exist still today as a spiritual education center. And they take in people from all kinds of forms of spirituality. And some of it is a little lower quality and some of it is extraordinarily good quality, but they're still there today. You know, I'm just, I, I thought they, at the time, I thought that they kind of threw the baby out with the bathwater because he had taught about love. He wasn't perfect. He failed. He failed in his, his, you know, his honesty with his family and he failed with, you know, re not resisting temptation when, when these beautiful people kind of went, Yogi, <laughs> you know, it's like it's something happened and they ended up, you know, in bed together. That's human nature. It happens, unfortunately. Um, and it's not going to stop happening. Even if we teach people about it, it's still going to be a part of the dynamic. We're just going to catch it maybe sooner, nip it in the bud sooner. But that organization threw everything out. In the case of the 3HO, what is it, SSSC group? I see them, you know, issuing statements and letters, and it's not my business. I'm outsider. I'm not directly affected. Well, no, that's not true. I am directly affected because I keep having to rescue the people that come out of that organization and that are negatively affected by the teachers. But I see a reluctance to do that, to say, hey, you know what? Yogi Bhajan was a real asshole. And sure, he had some positives and a few people learned some useful things. But we've got to really, really go through this stuff and maybe not throw the baby out with the bathwater. But the bath needs draining. And they're no. not doing that. No. They're arguing. They're, they're holding the curtain saying, leave me in the tub. I want to stay here. It's nice and warm and comfortable. You know, everybody loves that from time to time, but they don't want to leave their, their clingingness to the thing. Well, I guess that's what happens when you're part of a cult. And that's what it's become, unfortunately, or that's what it always was. Right. I think we don't. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. We don't have a good education for our youth uh, about, you know, avoiding cults in high school. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and, you know, there's, I just think that um, it's just, it's so complex when, when you're within it and, and many, many generations into it. And it's just not so easy to just name that way. And it's a part of why yeah. even just having a conversation to say, wow, there's this person that had a teacher and his teacher knew Harbhajan Singh before he became Yogi Bhajan. Like even to allow that story to like land in your consciousness mm -hmm. for a lot of us from our own community, it's going to be a hard one for people to digest. Sure. And that's okay. Yeah. But I, 
want these things to be spoken to because to meet that, somebody that truth that needs out. Yeah, to has a different lens that understands, wow, you you speak on energy and the world around us doesn't necessarily use the same terminology. So people can hear this stuff and be like, oh, that's weird. And that's fine. You can choose to hear that and be like, that's weird. But the truth is there are laws of energetics, right? There are universal <clears throat> laws when it comes to how yeah. energy works and what yeah. happens to people when they manipulate and use energy wrongly. And the thing is, is it's no such thing as wrong. It's not right and wrong. It's really dark and light forces, right? It's you could that argument can be made that there's no such thing as right and wrong. That that there's a middle and and that there's you you bounce either side of it. And and yet, when somebody's misusing energy, it's terrible. It's sadistic. It's it, it can be. Think of. Our closest cultural equivalent to describe Kundalini is the force as described in, in the Star Wars stories. It's not exactly the same. It's about eight or nine tenths the same. Uh, humans in this galaxy, on this planet, in this time, do not have the kind of access to the energy that are portrayed in the movies of, of, in the Star Wars things. We can't grab spaceships out of the air and make them crash back down to the ground. And we can't lift up an entire, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, we, we don't have those abilities. We don't have the abilities to do positive things as strongly, nor do we have the abilities to create negative things as strongly, which is a good thing, right? But we're still dealing with essentially what is described as the force. And everything that Yoda says is pretty useful to the force. Everything that Luke says is pretty useful to the force. What was beautiful in the later movies is they they took Luke off the pedestal and made him human, which was fantastic. And then Yoda comes around and says, ah, you know, failure, the greatest teacher failure is. And, you know, we've forgotten to learn from our failures. Philosophically speaking, the world needs negativity and positivity. It's a balance of the two. That doesn't, and, and you know, Yogi Bhajan misused that idea to justify preying on women who would, who were vulnerable to rape them. Yeah. Saying that women who are, who need to be raped for some philosophical reason will arrange the circumstances. So he's blaming them for his access and his incorrect access. Those and he's, he's doing that, he's saying that out loud to thousands of women in this, unco you know, in this level of, of, an, of like energetic indoctrination where then that gets implanted, where then when this circumstance creates itself that he's then created mm -hmm. unconsciously or consciously, you're like, oh my gosh, I, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's a. I hadn't thought of that. He was setting it up. It's such a manipulation of core energy principles that that are ours. Like yeah. if I have agency in my body and this is my sexuality and my body, mm -hmm. my sex organs and my pleasure and, mm -hmm. and my, you know, when that happens, the psychosomatic disconnect that I've experienced from these permeated teachings has literally been a sense of I don't belong to myself right and then if you don't belong to yourself you're more willing to give yourself to somebody else who will give you meaning right yeah. and so it's an outside of myself and so it, it came in the in the form of like um the you know it's i'm i'm escaping myself in service but really mm. it was like i would i became uninhabited in my own body and vacant and yet i called that yeah, I was calling that embodied. I was calling yeah. that grounded because that was when you're when you grow up in something, you don't know any other difference. You don't have and, a and you can't else to compare it to. And, and you can't up to a degree. My little brother and I, we were seven and five years old, eight and six, maybe he's younger than me. And at a certain moment in the church service, my parents thought it'd be good to take us to church. So they dragged us off to church and, you know, every Sunday and off we'd go to church. 
And here are you know, two little kids. And at exactly the same time, to some words that the priest was saying, these two little brats are bursting out laughing. And, you know, I get a whomp from dad saying, shut up, or you go outside. It was minus 20 outside. It was winter. <laughs> and the priest went on and said something else that was ridiculously funny. I don't know what it was. I wish I could remember. But my brother and I both burst out laughing at the same time. And, you know, a minute later, we're outside freezing our asses off in the Canadian winter. Kids can know when things are wrong sometimes. I can't agree more. I feel like many of us that were raised up in it, like we saw through an illusion of things. And it's one thing to have, quote, consensual relationships. Um, but what we now know, I mean, we know when it is a teacher student, there's no actual real consent. But let's just say for adult sake, yeah. there was consent in that capacity. You know, we didn't know the level of actual sadistic abuse and grooming and these types of things you know even if as kids we assumed yeah like you know it's probably sleeping with the secretaries these types of things were happening um for it to be such a misuse of like the opposite you know such a hypocrisy and yep. then the level of what comes to me is the level of sadism in and victim blaming yeah. And, yeah. It's, it's, and then to cause it on them again, it creates such a psychosomatic disconnect where everything is our own, yeah. our own fault and our own responsibility. Yeah. But to take that and go back to, you know, there is no evil. Yeah. That's a demonstration of someone acting with evil intent. And the intent was original right back to 1968 when yes. Arbidjan was here in Canada and Dennis failed to try to, you know, fail to get him to change his mind because he'd made up his mind. He was going to do a thing and he did it. And, and, you know, how many, I don't know how many people were affected. I, I don't know how big the group is. I don't know which ones were affected negatively. Some people were affected only positively. Some people right now are, have paid for a training and, and what happens to the value of their training? Are people going to Kundalini Yoga right now? A lot of teachers have stopped teaching it. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's just a, an ongoing question in terms of like what we know as the machine of the organizations as they keep going on. You know, they can paint a nice veneer of 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 the updated version. Um, but really, it's asking these type of questions, saying what is the real validity of the teachings and what is based on real energetic principles? What are based on real real systems of knowledge that have come before yeah. the amalgamation that he came up with because obviously it was a very manipulative plan from the very get-go as we're discovering as the tapestry of stories comes forth that's what it looks like right from the get-go it's, it's seeming that way very yeah. clearly what do you um as we get kind of towards wrapping up what do you want to um make sure listeners are hearing as, as people that have grown up or in Kundalini, maybe they've been taught, maybe they're have done teacher training. Just what do you want people to know that have learned Kundalini yoga is taught by Yogi Bhajan to hear and to understand for themselves and how to be able to go forward in, in um... two main things Yeah, that Yogi Bhajan's fraud is profound and that one has to start from a perspective that none of it was true. Now let's go discover which parts were useful and true and existed before and had passed the test of, of time. It had proven themselves useful. There's not a question of a form of yoga or a certain kind of Kriya is right or wrong. It has a utility in which circumstances is it useful. And, and that has to be rediscovered because the stories that Bajan told was 90%, maybe more BS. So you have to start from the assumption that it was incorrect. Now let's go find what's true. That's a lot of work because he spewed a lot of stuff and spewing is, is like, I'm thinking of power puking, you know, when it, you puke and it goes eight feet away and there's an awful lot of garbage that he, he shared. And there's an awful lot of fluff that people have unfortunately bought into with the kindness of their hearts because they're kind, they're too nice, right? Yes. 
The second thing is if people are going to have Kundalini awakenings and they're going to have their lives upheaved by the energy pushing them forward in a strong uh, way that they're not ready for or that they're only partially ready for, there are resources out there. There's a wiki on the subreddit on Kundalini that will help people with problems of Kundalini, no matter what their tradition is on the planet. But people have to be willing to help themselves to some degree. You can get so upheaved that you're no longer able to help yourself. I've had health issues at times where, you know, I couldn't remember my own name. You know, I was taking too much medicine. So I know what it's like when you get into a situation where you need a fellow human's help and say, hey, let me help you for a little bit because that's what humans do. We help each other out. Some people prey on each other and sometimes we help each other out. It's all part of the balance. Sure. And so there are people out there who can help. The resources for helpfulness in, in Kundalini are limited. <laughs> you know, because the tales get, get spun around back to Kundalini yoga itself. No, because, you know, the, the amount of students uh, that have been taught in my tradition are minimal. My teacher taught, you know, maybe between 25 and 100 people in, in his whole life. Oh, so you mean in terms of like the oral tradition you come from, it's not yes. like people are out there trying to like get there are not thousands, There are not hundreds or thousands of them. There are, you know, there are only a few of them. And some of them are busy leading professional lives and Kundalini is an aspect of their life and they haven't taken on the mantle of, I'm going to teach Kundalini on a regular basis. You mean they're not doing billboard campaigns for teacher training every season? Uh, no. John Denver was one of Dennis's students. He was a famous singer, right? And John did all kinds of cool things. He was for nature. He was for education. He was very generous with his money, but he got like anybody else who has a lot of money and fame. He got trapped by the trappings of that lifestyle. I don't know if John ever had or took the time to pass on what he learned in a Kundalini sense. He certainly passed on a lot of joy through his singing. No question. Right. So out of the student body that my teacher taught, I'm not sure how many of those people are out there teaching. I have some suspicions of people who were probably his students. I'm not allowed to reveal those. It's the opposite of a cult. It's the opposite of a gathering and building a structure and let's write things down. No, it's an oral tradition. Why? We have just two rules and three guidelines. And if we stick to those and we apply them in our daily lives, it becomes a living tradition. It doesn't become a religion. It doesn't become dogmatic. Uh, people accuse us of being dogmatic of those those core traditions. Yeah, because they've proven themselves useful and correct over thousands of years. They've proven the test of time. And you're expected as a student to prove and test them for yourself. After 30 years, I've done that to my satisfaction many times over. Mm -hmm. And I think in specific to our upbringing and our our self-experience was a big thing he talked about, but I also feel like it's it's out of context because oftentimes we're, 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 because we're so trained, we were over, over trained out of our body and then Mm -hmm. almost to then feel like that experience is an enlightened experience, but it's actually a disembodied experience. Yeah. And it's an unrooted experience. And so to really go back and to be inquisitive of our own experience to say, wow, what was that really? I know I interpreted it at that time as uh-huh. X and X because that's what I was taught I should yes. do. But when we are taught only to see something through a lens, mm-hmm. of course, you're going to see, oh, wow, the lens is purple. I see everything through the shade purple. of purple. And it's up to us to be critical to say, wow, okay. Remove all the lenses. Remove it and see what I see then. And so yep. that's what happened to me, you know, over the last number of years, um, you know, I never really wanted to practice or teach Kundalini. I always practiced Kundalini yoga. I never mm-hmm. wanted to teach it. And I, as my soul was pulling me to teach, I knew to, I noticed there was so much resistance I had and I had to like start examining what is this resistance about? Uh-huh. And it made me start asking different questions 
And then what happened <laughs> mm-hmm. several years into that, as I was starting to dissect some of what I was taught I should yep. do, like wear white or cover my head or, and I wanted to do these things because I was inspired because my soul right. was like, yes, this feels so good. Not because yeah. I thought I had to, or because this was the uniform of the right way. Uh-huh. So as I started dissecting this some years later, I started getting messages like you need to stop practicing entirely because you're too well perfected here. Right. And you can't actually feel what's happening in your energy system. And right. I didn't understand that message because my training had taught me that this system was connecting me to my energy systems. But right. now soul was giving me different information and it took me about a year and a half or two years before I, when I stopped doing that's pretty quick to actually feel, I was doing other things to see yeah. my own sex energy and my nervous system recalibration, mm-hmm. my limbic brain. I was really doing specific yeah. things to, to connect my to help yourself. processing to my body. Yeah. Because I was starting to realize, wow, I think that's what happened is I was out of myself on an emotional level. Like I couldn't feel my right. feelings and interpret. I had been hijacked out of my emotional body in some way and calling that an enlightened mm-hmm. experience. Mm-hmm. So look at where you are now, notwithstanding everything that was in your past and all of the encumbrances that have been placed there. In a sense, because you've been imprisoned, you will and are discovering true freedom. No doubt. I mean, I, I'm telling telling you things about several years ago. Yeah. Since then, like it, it you're attaining that. It's just been incredible to watch all of this open up because yeah. I was going through a lot of these healing experiences in my body before I knew that it was actually related to my community. Yeah. I just thought right. maybe it was past life or somebody else's mm-hmm. car. I had no idea. And then it only housed itself back in my own community as I realized, whoa, that's what I was correcting. I was correcting uh-huh. a trained imbalance that was quite intentional and manipulative through the form of um, what, you know, what I thought was Kundalini, right? Yeah. But really Kundalini yoga as, as he delivered it. And um, this and, you know, process of distilling the truth is a process we all have to go through in our own bodies. Yeah. And the lack of, ways. the lack of grounding that seems to be a part of some of the Kundalini yoga as taught by Yogi Bhajan may have contributed to the slowness of figuring out that there was a problem, the slowness of accepting that there was a problem because they're not as grounded as they could be. Oh, that's interesting. So meaning like, like cracking the matrix of our own indoctrination, why it takes yeah, so, so exactly. much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you were partially imbalanced. My teacher taught me to balance myself. And one of the expectations before I ever use energy is to always be in balance first. That's one of the guidelines. That way, and make sure it's loving. Make sure it's done with a loving, generous intent. And not a loving, mushy one, but, you know, not rescuing somebody from themselves, but a loving intent. But do so from a place of balance. If I'm in my heart oh, that puppy's so cute. Or if I'm in my calculating thing, well, no, give him a fucking speeding ticket. He deserved it. He was over the speed limit. You know, it's like, you, you know, yeah. you, you, you get those moments where where you can be too, too intellectual or too calculating, or you can be too heart-centered. You've got to find a balance between the two. And that acts as a support for good Kundalini. But Kundalini is that balance of the male and the female aspects with the God energy mixed together, going up the, up Sushumna. Yeah. And, and yeah. that's not what all of the systems are teaching because I'm not sure why. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, I, you know, I just want to thank you for this lens. I, I hope as listeners, you're really thank taking you too. it in as a chance to um, crack, you know, crack your own plaster that has kind of shaped your experience and, mm-hmm. I think it's really easy to call all these aspects of ourselves, our identity and our whole self, when really these are just kind of experiences that have helped shape and kind of give some name and meaning. And it's up to us to now sift, 
you know, sift through what's in resonance with our own um, soul knowing and, and are we willing to revisit time periods of our life and see it with new eyes? Mm-hmm. And let go of the pains that, you know, let go of the pains without forgetting them. So this is what I'm calling in my work, um, alchemy, you know, Perfect. internal alchemy or, or inner alchemy, where, yeah. where we're taking the, the pains of our life and the real experiences, but instead of trying to release them, we're rooting down into them and really finding, wow, how can I find the deepest, richest meaning out of these experiences yeah. and call them what they are? Because a yeah. part of finding the meaning is to name it and to see it cl- cleanly and clearly. And to to define it through, and understand it. Yes. And, and, through, and, and then metabolize it through us. Do you like the word grok? G R O K. Look it, look it up after the session. It's a word that was created by uh, Frank Herbert in his oh what story in the. It's a story about. Uh, oh wait a minute, is it Heinlein or is it? Uh, I I can't remember. Anyway, if you look it up, G R O K. It's to know something completely from end to end to really understand it from end to end. And you, uh, you might enjoy that word. Brock, I'm all Brock. over it. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. I want to share thank you. Um, the, the song that you've introduced for us or that sure. you've uh, offered for us. So um, let's go ahead John, and- uh, John wanted that song to be sung more often. Ah, okay. This is a John Denver song. Share thank you, everybody. Us. Thank you, Guru Nishan. Yes, thank you. Don't go away yet. Let's just play. Perhaps love is like a resting place, a shelter from the storm. It exists to give you comfort. It is there to keep you warm. And in those times of trouble, when you are most alone, the memory of love will bring you home. Perhaps love is like a window. Perhaps an open door It invites you to come closer It wants to show you more Even if you lose yourself And don't know what to do The memory of love Will see you through Oh, love to some is like a cloud To some is strong as steel For some a way of living, for some a way to feel And some say love is holding on, and some say letting go And some say love is everything, and some say they don't know Perhaps love is like the ocean, full of conflict, full of change Like a fire when it's cold outside Or thunder when it rains If I should live forever And all my dreams come true My memories of love will be of you Just want to say that was lovely. Thank you so much for that. I want to um, thank all the listeners for tuning in today and um, remind you to do your own research and to think critically and to let these conversations penetrate you and rearrange you. And that's not always a comfortable process. But as they say, there is no comfort in growth. And we get to grow and we get to expand and we get to experience new versions of ourselves by allowing these conversations to wash over us and to give us a new lens on our own life and our own lived experience. Thank you very much, Guru Nishan. Much appreciated. Thank you so much. Your voice matters. Your, um, your experience has really shed some light and given us outsider's perspective, um, as well as a, a pre-3HO perspective, which really helps us. Yeah. Um, just to offer something new. Thank what you. is is. Let's see what we can make of it. Indeed. Thank Cheers. You.